0: Awesome. Well, thank you guys. Good evening. Thank you, Matt. Um, I first, I, you know, he had embarrassed me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna embarrass my brother. He's here and his fiance Sophie. They're in from Missouri, Kansas City. Yeah. They didn't come for this. They came to see the baby. Uh, but they have to sit through this. Luke, though, I've been preaching at him for 27 years. I'm the oldest, so you know how that goes. But um, but yeah, they're getting married in June. So say a prayer for him if you think about it. But, anyways, well, yeah, it is a great privilege to to share with you all tonight, to share with LCF. I'm really excited uh, with with our study. Really, I really am. It's been awesome so far, and it's it's just been awesome to to get to be a part of uh, of going through it with these other guys, of leading us through it. And so, um, as you all probably know, we're still in Ephesians one, three through fourteen. And man, what a what a rich section of scripture this is, uh, and I my hope tonight is just to peel back one more layer of the section. Uh, there's so much there, um, and you know Victor and the Mats, or the three Matsketeers as I like to call them, okay, sounded better in my head. Um, they have preached deep truths about God from these verses, uh, and and I know we could keep coming back to them over and over again. I think we will in the coming weeks and months. Um, but tonight, we're going to look at Jesus Christ, the Son of God, in Ephesians 1. And my hope is that as we move into the later chapters in Ephesians, we'll be equipped to walk purposefully and stand confidently. And so, before we get in, um, let's, let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we say that you are good, that you are faithful to bring your purposes to completion. Uh, Jesus, we thank you. Uh, we ask you to be with us tonight. We thank you for going to the cross for us. And Holy Spirit, uh, we ask that you would inhabit the word tonight as you inhabited our praises. And We ask that you would fill us up and be with us during the word and also during our time uh, or time after, as, as we eat together. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. So, uh, tonight, let's, let's jump off from, from verse 10. From Ephesians 1, verse 10. It says, As a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in Him, things in heaven, and things on earth. In the KJV, it says, gather together. And so we see God's will is to gather together all things, right? To restore relationship. To unite heaven and earth again. To unite God and man again. To unite his creation together again, right? Um, You know, take a second, think back to uh, what we heard from Matt Schaefer, right? What an amazing father we have. That he would seek to restore the human race has rejected him over and over again that he would seek to restore us to him and that is his will that that is such a such an amazing will of a father to have for us and so in that we see that that the son is the key to that will in Christ God's plan is carried out we see that over and over in Christ in Christ in Christ and Victor so beautifully illustrated this truth to us last week. He, he shared with us that in Christ, the mystery is revealed. We have redemption, forgiveness, sonship, so much more. We are blessed in Christ so that we can be a blessing to the world, right? And so Victor talked about what we have in Christ, the what. What we have in Christ, this side of his death and resurrection. But tonight, we're going to look more at the how, Like, how Christ the Son carried out the purposes of the Father. And so, a key verse for tonight is Ephesians 3.11. It says, This was according to the eternal purposes that God has realized in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so, we're going to see that God's purposes are realized in Jesus Christ. That is the essence of of what we're going to look at tonight. So we're going to look at four ways the Son carries out the purposes of the Father, those four points that I know people love. And then we're going to look at how the church comes alongside Christ in that. Things are even going to get a bit spicy as we talk about predestination. But first, but first I want to offer an illustration about sonship. Um, so like Matt said, I have a two-year-old son named Jack and a one-month-old daughter named Esther. And when Esther was about a week old, I walked in on my son, Jack, with his face pressed up against her crib, saying, I love you, baby Esther. I love you, baby Esther. Oh, it was very precious, right? Very precious moment as a parent. Very cute, right? But there's something a lot deeper going on here in these moments. You know, I get to see my son, Jack, loving his little sister, and one of my deepest desires as a father is that my children would love each other, right? That my son would love and protect his little sister and to see my son reflect the will of his parents towards his sister stirs up pride and love in me his father. And I really believe that God put these these things in us to give us a glimpse into the love and pride he has towards his son Jesus Christ as he carries out the will. his father in the earth. And so I share that because this section of Ephesians, it's very doctrinal, and it can be a bit dry if we let it be. But I encourage you to let the warmth and the love of the family of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, let it permeate these verses. You know, what we're talking about is family in the oldest and highest sense of the word. And it's okay to let that connect with us emotionally, you know. This is, a, this is a really an emotional text if we let it be. And so, with that in mind, let's look at how Jesus Christ carries out God's will. Four points, like I said. And so, point number one, Jesus Christ was God's plan before the foundation of the world. Verse 4 of Ephesians chapter 1, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. And so we see this, this all over the New Testament, uh, starting in John seventeen twenty four, we see that the Father loved Christ before the foundation of the world, right? That Father-Son, that love was there eternally. It's always been there before the foundation of the world. And then we see reaffirmed uh, in 1 Peter 1, 18 through 20, it says, we were redeemed by Christ's blood and he was chosen before the foundation of the world. And then in Revelation 13, Jesus is worshipped as the Lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. So it's all over there. And that, that's, that's just a few. And so you would think, uh, if, if this was the case, Jesus was chosen before the foundation of the world, that we might see this in the Old Testament. And we do. Uh, right? Deuteronomy 18.15, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Isaiah eleven twelve. 12 he will raise a signal for the nations and he will assemble the banished of Israel and gather the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. And that's just a few verses that, that prophesy about Jesus Christ's coming to fulfill the purposes of the Father. A few months ago we had um, a pastor from Indiana named Gary Johnson come in and do a, a seminar called Jesus on Mission. And one of his primary points was jesus said yes to the mission before creation i love that it's just such a compact truth jesus said yes to the mission before creation right and so just uh, i think we just take a second and consider how amazing it is that knowing the cost jesus christ created this world and us to inhabit it he knew he was going to have to go to the cross and suffer on behalf yet he created it anyway. And God the Father knew that he was going to have to give up his son in order to redeem this creation, yet he still went. He still created it, right? And so just, again, what an amazing father we have. What an amazing Savior Savior we have in Christ. And so point number one, Jesus Christ was God's plan before the foundation of the world. And then point number two, the Son reveals the will of the Father in the earth verse 9 of ephesians 1 it says making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in christ so the son reveals jesus reveals the will of his father in christ the will uh, the mystery of his will is revealed john fourteen nine, it says whoever has seen jesus has seen the father Right? And so at the most basic level, Jesus himself is a revelation of the Father. How he lived his life is a revelation of God's will of his heart. But he also plainly tells us what the will of the Father is. In John 6:40. he says, the will of the Father is that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. And so, I love that. The will of God is that we would believe in, in the Son, in Jesus. And again, that is a, an essential a part of God's will that Jesus has revealed. But Jesus also reveals God's will for how we would treat each other, for, how, for morality, for, for what, what God's law is, his moral law is. And that's really the Sermon on the Mount, right? And so, one example from that, Mark 10, 2 through 9... When Jesus is teaching on divorce, the Pharisees come up and they ask Jesus to test him. They ask, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Jesus answered them, what did Moses command you? And they said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. And Jesus said to them, because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. So we see that the Pharisees come, and they say, well, you know, God gave us, or Moses gave us this law about divorce. And, and Jesus says, yes, but let me tell you what was in God's heart, what was in his mind, that was because of your hardness of heart. But from the beginning, the, the heart and mind of God intended that marriage would be forever, that it would be two becoming one flesh and what he has joined, let no man separate, right? So he's, he's revealing the will. He's cutting, cutting through the distortion to what, to what God's will really is. And then John chapter eight, right? The Pharisees bring him a woman caught in adultery and Jesus says to them, let him who is without sin among you Be first to throw a stone. And Jesus is left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. And here we see Jesus reveal the heart of God in his plan. That God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Right? That's John 3.17. So Jesus, throughout his ministry, he reveals the will and the heart of the Father to us and to the world. And then we also see, of course, that Jesus reveals the specifics of the plan to his disciples. Right? He, as his ministry moves on and on and he gets closer and closer to the cross, he begins to tell them more and more and more detail what exactly he came to do right, he reveals how how he will save the world, that he must die and be raised on the third day. And, And like I said, we see that over and over again in the Gospels. And that's, so that brings us to our third point. Jesus carried out God's purposes by going to the cross and being raised from the dead. Amen. Hallelujah. Verse 7, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Right, so, so this is, Paul is pointing us to, to this, the, the crescendo, the, the climax of God's plans, Jesus' death and resurrection. And there's two things I, I want to bring to us about, that, about, about the way Jesus carried it out first one would be that Jesus, the Son, went to the cross willingly. The Father did not coerce him, right? And there's, there's three areas that we see this. There's more, but here's three. Number one, the devil tempts Jesus in the desert to abandon his mission, right? The devil is, is at the beginning, when Jesus begins his ministry, he's trying to get him to swerve off the path, right? He's trying to get him to to pour his power just out on himself and do it for himself and be selfish. But Jesus says, no, I'm gonna gonna do what my father has told me. I'm gonna carry on, right? He resists that temptation. And then we see in in the Garden of Gethsemane, right before Jesus dies uh, or is arrested, he prays, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And so here we see Jesus choosing to do the will of the Father despite the cost, despite knowing and, and deliberating over what the cost will be. And then in John 10:18, Jesus just says it straight out, I lay my life down of my own accord, right? Just plain and simple. And then number two, Jesus went to the cross lovingly, right? He went to the cross lovingly as the Father loves us, right? Like Father, like Son. Ephesians 5, 2, it says, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Mark ten forty five, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And then in Jesus' final days, uh, right in Matthew 23, 37 through 39, this is just a few days before he goes to the cross. He's up on a hill looking over Jerusalem, and, he's, and he says this, he says, O oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you are not willing Right? That was in Jesus' heart. Oh, I would, I would have gathered your children together, right? And then on the cross, as he's dying, we all know, know this, of course. He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Right up to his final breath, Jesus loved us, loved the world that he came to save, as he carried out the will of the Father. But, of course, the cross is not the end, Right? Jesus was raised from the dead, defeating death and sin for all time. John 10, 18, I have authority to lay my life down and authority to take it up again. And that he did. Amen. Hallelujah. And so it's important to remember that this was just as much God's purpose in sending Jesus, was to resurrect him and defeat death and sin. Right? And so I just want us to keep that in mind too. And so, yeah, therefore, because Jesus carried these things out, Therefore, Christ the Son is seated at the right hand of the Father, ruling and continuing to carry out His will on the earth. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And this, this doesn't so much come from uh, Ephesians 1, chapter uh, 3 through 14. It's more later in chapter 1, uh, 19 through 23. It says, What is the immeasurable greatness of word of the Lord. Amen. And so, I know that this is such an important role of the Son, which is why I wanted to, to include it. And it's, it's that Jesus, He didn't die and resurrect and then, see you later, back out, right? No, He is alive and ruling still. Amen. So, Philippians 2, 8 through 11, and being found in human form, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Amen. So Jesus is still carrying out the purposes of the Father. Ephesians 1.18, Jesus says, "I," or, sorry, Revelation one eighteen. Jesus says, I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Plain and simple, right? And then we see in Revelation 19 that he will one day lead us into battle to fulfill God's purposes in the end times, right? So God, or Jesus has carried out the purposes of the Father. He is carrying out the purpose of the Father, and he will carry out the purposes of the Father. Amen. And so I want to ask, can we testify to this, right? Has Jesus done something for anyone in here tonight? Amen, right? I know that I would not be the man if it was not for Jesus Christ, and I suppose the earth could not contain the books written about what he has done, right? Amen. And so there it is. Point number four, Christ the Son is seated at the right hand of the Father, ruling and continuing to carry out God's will on the earth. So again, in summary, God's purposes are realized in Jesus Christ. And so we could, of course, end right here, worship Jesus, go to the potluck. But there is an important piece in our text that we cannot ignore, and that would be The us and the we, right? We've talked about God the Father. We've talked about Christ the Son. But there's the us. He blessed us in Christ, right? He chose us in Christ that we should be holy and blameless. And so, who is this us? Who is the we? The church of Jesus Christ is the us, and we are part of God's plan. Because we are in Christ, right? Because we are in Christ. So, he blesses us. He chooses us. He predestined us through Christ. In verse 5, it says that. And predestination comes up a few times in this passage, and it is painting, it really is painting a beautiful picture. But first, let's address some confusion surrounding predestination. And so, just to, to kick it off, a basic definition of the Greek word here that's translated as predestination is just to mark out beforehand or to determine before. That's from the Strong's. And so I bring this up because our Reformed brothers and sisters point to this portion of Ephesians as evidence for their view of predestination. And my hope is that as we walk through God's plan in Ephesians 1 together, that we will walk away with a biblical understanding of predestination. But first, let's read the Reformed theology's view of predestination. And so these are John Calvin's words. We call predestination God's eternal decree by which he compacted with himself what he willed to become of each man. For all are not created in equal condition. Rather, eternal life is foreordained for some, eternal damnation for others. Therefore, as any man has been created to one or the other of these ends, we speak of him as predestined to life or to death. Oof. So, we reject this view for many reasons. But here's just a few verses that show it is incompatible with Scripture. Uh, 1 Timothy 2.4 tells us that God desires all would be saved. Just plain and simple. 2 Corinthians 5.15 tells us that Christ died for all. Uh, but But, you know... That's all I really want to talk about with that. Just zooming out, you know, looking at Ephesians, back to Ephesians, you know, John Calvin's view of predestination, it's just not really what Ephesians 1, 3 through 14 is talking about. You know, Paul is not giving a theory for how individuals are saved. And and, I think a simple way to see this is just, is there any I and me in this section? It's us and we, right? Us and we. You know, rather, in Ephesians 1, predestination means the church has been a part of God's plan since before time. We were predestined to be sons and daughters of the living God, right? God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, and that means that when we repent, put our faith in Jesus, we are now located in Christ, right? We are now located in Christ. We are part of his bride. We are one flesh with Christ the bridegroom. We are his body. He is our head. We are in Christ, right? That is central. God predestined that the church would be adopted back into his family. Before creation, he predestined that, and it was to be through Jesus Christ. Before time, God even predestined that we would share in Christ's inheritance, Romans 8.29 says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Right? You know, so earthly fathers, right, we have ideas of what our sons will be. In the summertime, you can go down to Veterans Park, watch a Little League game or two. Uh, You're bound to see a dad who just so badly wants his son to be that star pitcher That first baseman, right? But the kid is just not an athlete. He's more marching band material, you know? But the facts are we cannot will our children to be in the NFL or the MLB or to go to Harvard or whatever it is we dream for them. But not so with God right? Not so with God. When we say yes to God and are adopted back into his family, our destiny is sure. It is guaranteed. We will be perfected into the image of Jesus Christ, our head. That is a fact. That is guaranteed. And so I I want us to rest here for just a second, because I think there's a few ruts that we can find ourselves in related to this. And so the first rut would be Sometimes uh, we won't let our earthly dreams die, right? I remember uh, I was in, when I was in fifth grade, my parents, they finally let me play tackle football. I'd been begging them, but they will not because they are afraid I got hurt, and then they finally said yes. I was excited, I ran up to my friend Dominic Baber, and he was like one of the best athletes in our class, okay? He had been playing football for a while, he was awesome. And I was like, Dominic, Dominic, I'm playing football next year. Maybe we'll be on the same team. And he just started laughing. He just started cracking up. <laughs> and I was like, kind of taken aback. I was like, all right, what's so funny? And he said, Dan, like, look, I'm just trying to picture you playing tackle football, and it just doesn't fit. It just, are just hilarious to me. And I was like, woof, right? Um, I went on to play football that year. And after the season was over, I realized Dominic was right. He was 100% right. Yep, was not for me. Uh, But, you know, seriously, though, you know, I really experienced freedom in that, realizing that that wasn't me. That wasn't wasn't a dream that was going to work out for me, right? And, you know, our culture preaches to us as children, right? You can be whatever you put your mind to. The sky's the limit, you know, blah, blah, blah. And... You know, I think it can really—I really think it can create a crisis in our lives when we realize that that's just a lie. It's not true, right? But we know that in Christ, the seed that dies ends up bearing much fruit. When our own dreams die, when our own plans for our lives die, and we fully submit to God, our Father in heaven shows us a higher, more amazing destiny to be made into the image of His Son. And then I. I think another rut, uh, another place is like we can know in our mind that God is making us into the image of his son, but then the enemy is whispering in our ear lies, right? Telling us we cannot be perfected, right? We will always fall into sin and failure. But remember that God makes no mistakes. There are no illegitimate children in the family of God. And that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Right? Amen. Our names are written in the book of life. Right? Amen. And so, yeah, the the Bible, man, it paints a beautiful picture, a predestination, and it is all in Christ. In Christ. Right? God the Father has chosen his beloved Son, Jesus Christ, and we the church are his body. Therefore, we get to be a part of what God is doing in Christ. Amen. How beautiful, right? What a beautiful truth. And so, you know, there is so much that flows from this. And as we will see, a lot of the rest of Ephesians actually flows from this truth, Uh, especially when we get to the walk section of Ephesians. We'll see that Paul, he is hearkening back to this over and over. He calls us to live worthy of our vocation, right? He tells us to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. And that's, that's just to name a few. And so, as we begin to study how God would have the church be built, we must have this truth as a first principle. And a first principle is a fundamental concept or assumption on which a theory, system, or method is based. We are the body, and Jesus Christ is our head. Being relevant, building a successful system cannot be our first principle, right? How we build our marriages, our families, our friendships, and our church must be founded on this. We are the body, and Jesus Christ is our head, right? How we live together either honors or dishonors our head, We were chosen to be holy and blameless. Don't we want to bring pride to our bridegroom, Jesus Christ, right? We are the bride of Christ, and the bride of Christ is not a strong, independent woman. We are nothing without our bridegroom, Jesus Christ, right? We are the church, and we are nothing without our bridegroom, Jesus Christ. And so remember, you know, it was the church in Ephesus, that actually, that abandoned its first love, that was the church in Ephesus, and so we must always come back to our dependence on Christ. We must, and so to end tonight, uh, we're going to do something a little different than we've done the last few weeks. Let's—I'm going to invite you to stand up. All right, you can hold hands if you want to, and we're going to read Ephesians one three through fourteen together and so let's read this let me take this let's read this it's going to go up on the screen i think there it is awesome let me grab this too so let's read this as our declaration of dependence on our head jesus christ amen blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ To his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted. After that, ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom, so after that, ye believed. You were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's stay standing. I thought, let's sing on Christ the Solid Rock I Stand, men's breakfast style, acapella. All right, so let's do it. My hope is built on nothing.